The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC on ESPN One Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Uh, a day late and a dollar short. The normal tune over here, unfortunately. Apologies as per usual. But I am getting it out, this episode out, you know, twenty four over 24 hours ahead of the event for what that's worth. That being said, I'm going to keep it an expedited breakdown, and thankfully, I already got the Bellator stuff out of the way. Hopefully, you guys were able to listen to that and enjoy that. And it was kind of anticlimactic to needlessly timestamp this episode uh, Saturday morning. Uh, so, Karatanov's balls are probably still on the mat from last night. Tonight, that Russian bear got hit in his Russian balls. And, uh, yeah, so that bet, you know, was a wash. Um, you know, his qualification would have probably still cashed it, but hey, whatevs. Uh, threw it in a dog tonight instead, and, and uh, we'll get to that later in the breakdown. Yeah, I, no one cares, so I, I'll spare the excuses, but yeah, I, I, uh, I know I, I promised at the beginning of the, I just I'll, I'll say it because I promised at the beginning of the year, and I don't want to be one of these you know New Year's resolution cunts because I, I that's not my style anyway. So it really knew I had weird chills even just doing it, but I was just so determined to get fucking back on my not back on my feet, but back to where I want to be, back to doing what makes me happy, getting back on those mats and, and so forth and and whatnot. Um, I did it, and then unfortunately, I knew I didn't want to do it because you know there, are, as per usual, things that are beyond my control. Legitimately, I'm still waiting on folks, um, and, and as soon as those things happen, um, let's just say my schedule will be open up to analyze martial arts more consistently again and do martial arts. That that's it, man. I'm, it could be like that dude in the Twilight Zone. Just just leave me my leave me alone with my books and I'll be happy. I'm, I'm, I'm that fucking crazy lonely cunt. So, uh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm totally not, I'm a fucking Brit over here with, uh, you know, with that word. So, sorry, ladies. I apologize. It's not toward you. It's intent, right? It's all about intent and I'm, I'm clearly directing that toward myself. So, uh, so yeah, and for what it's worth, your boy here, like literally almost has uh, nervous breakdowns trying to meet deadlines, this one and others. So, I, I, I try to, I tried my fucking hardest to get it to you guys on Friday. So uh, I failed in the schedule. Let's fucking move on, though. Because um, no one cares. And we got to get to this breakdown. It's, it's, it's actually a fun card, folks. So don't let my my, my uh, <clears throat> morning shit mood off of a couple uh, barely sleepful nights. Uh, fool yeah, I'm excited for this card, guys. I, I really am. Um, 
Yeah, no, no real notes. Like the notes will kind of come up in the breakdown. Um, again, chime in. Feel free to chime in at the PYM podcast if you want things answered or just to chime in in general. Of course, find me at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter. Uh, what you guys like, don't like in the format, uh, changing it up and going from top to bottom, which I think is what probably most most shows do. Um, or they just cover the top fights. So I'm just going to start from that. Not because of what most shows do, to be honest. I, I don't really pay too much attention to that. But I've said on this show before, like when I start, I'll have a, a, I know I sound so high energy right now, folks. It'll probably be opposite this time. Because usually it's like at night and I'm like, oh, I have energy to do it. Like I thought I did last night, but then I I, I do this thing where I, I work like crazy and I don't eat all day. So then when I do eat, it's like an extra digestion bomb and I'm just like, Ugh. and then down I go. Um, but yeah, so uh, my, my energy might actually go upwards, but so we'll see. I might fuck it up. But um, the point is I would usually, people have been listening to the show, I'd get to the main event and it would just... Drag on, drag on, kind of like how you're late and we're waiting for you to break down this card. Dan. All right, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. We're going to start with Francis Ninganu, who is the underdog, plus 145, and Cain Velasquez, minus 165. And uh, I'm glad people made that coming to America connection, But it, which was funny. Is I, went, I went back to watch the scene, and Eddie Murphy's uh, fake character on the train is actually from Cameroon. Cameroon! Babuli, babuli, babuli. Oh, babuli, babuli, babuli. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, and and I also forgot that Dan Aykroyd was in blackface, which that didn't age well. That scene did not age well. <laughs> Hello, I am Heidi, and I am from Sweden. Dan, get to the breakdown. And Kane Velasquez is your favorite, minus one sixty-five. So my breakdowns on this one has been out for a minute. Um, so you guys already know my take on this one, I guess. Uh, and I'm usually the guy that's like, ah, it's beyond the wrestler versus grappler take. And it is to certain extents. You know, people underrate Francis's wrestling, just like people underrate uh, Kane's striking. So, uh, and speaking of underrating Kane's striking, that sounds like blasphemous according to, like, at least from when, 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 I, when I scan for news, what I see on Twitter. And I see a lot of, uh, whether it was, like, him working mitts or this or that. And I didn't look at it that close, so maybe there are certain things, and and some of the things for sure, even off a gate, off a glance, you'd be like, oh wow, yeah, I could definitely see uh, boys' heads exposed there. And he, but like, since when the fuck did we all start like becoming like, uh, you know, I I I, I know like there's the you know, the eye testing things. You're like, oh, is this guy on steroids? Uh, needle marks? Uh, comparison shots on the scale? And I get the investigative nature, and and sometimes for good reason in our sport for many topics, right? So I'm not, and I'm I'm not beyond it. I'm not criticizing it, but this one just kind of stood out to me particularly. One because it's one of the greatest heavyweights, you know, uh, heavyweight fighters. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's like we, you know, since the Rousey thing, we we don't want to be fooled again, right? You know, and it, it, as funny as all the gifs were, it, it, in hindsight and after, if you look at it, a lot of those people weren't posting those gifs when they were happening in real time. Uh, some were, but. Pre-Holly, there wasn't a lot of that. And a lot of the, like, you know, I would say a good third of the material would have been, was taken uh, pre-Holly. But again, it, it, it's, we're, we're fickle as fans. So, you know, it, if it's not in vogue to, to make fun of something, then it's not going to be a lot of us. I'm not saying you didn't, okay? I'm not saying everybody didn't. But let's be honest, most people didn't. And kind of to that point. 
Uh, and, and that's what it feels like here. And I'm just like, he's a heavyweight fighter. Do you want him to be Floyd Mayweather on the pads? Secondly, if he was any level of, of, a, of a top boxer on the pads... I would argue that if you supported Kane, you would still be like, that's great, Kane. Fucking wrestle. And again, if he looked good on the pads, I would still argue that if you supported Nangano, you would be like, oh, it looks pretty good, Kane, but you don't want to stand with my guy Nangano. So what the fuck are we making such a big deal for? <laughs> why, why, why are we all of a sudden self-proclaimed striking experts? And, 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 and you know, oh, well, like, his, 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 you know, there's a newsflash, guys. Your head's vulnerable either either way. Yes, the slips were a bit reckless, and he didn't have the proverbial wall as Pat Miletic would um, teach to his guys. And I was lucky enough to to uh, to, to, to take some uh, lessons under him, and, and he has this great analogy, uh, Miletic, where you know if you're gonna slip, slipping's great and all, but with MMA, with kickboxing, when there's kicks. You need to pretend there is a cement wall on each side of your head waiting for you. You need to protect your head from that cement wall. So if you slip one way and you want to add a hook when you slip, that's fine. But if you're slipping to your left and you're adding your right hook, make sure that left hand is up to, you know, that barrier barrier protection. You know, again, it doesn't matter. You can still get KO'd if you, you, you misread and someone comes up high with a switch kick. And we've seen one hand is not enough. Um, you know, and you should know that if you've taken a Muay Thai class, because it's pretty basic defense there. But again, it's something. And yes, he didn't have those proverbial walls and barriers when he's slipping. But like, this is kind of what he's done before, folks. Like, or like the uh, slip countering. Uh, like he's he's done that before too. Now you know, it was getting him caught against Verdum, uh, who was actually like decided to use his jab, and like probably was the last time we saw Verdum actually like take a fight seriously, whether it was his approach or his physique. Because yeah, it, it you it, he both were on that night, and both haven't been on since. Hell, you could barely argue he's had one of those turned on since. But this isn't about Fabricio Verdum, and I was on Verdum by the way. If it sounds like I'm defending Kane, I was the biggest Kane, not even hater, but again, I, I hate to keep referencing some kind of self-congratulatory pat on the back, but it's relevant to the point. I I was one of the few people going on, like, this this, this line is, is insane, you know, uh, initially getting up to almost 4-1 to one at certain points, but I was hammering it from 375 down to plus 325 for Bruce doing double dip in that damn line. Um, and yes, it was because he was coming off of a layoff. Now, why is he, why are you not getting when he's coming off of a layoff now? Well, he's coming off of a layoff off of his own terms. It's a bit longer of a layoff than what that one was, but that one wasn't, wasn't on his own terms. There were multiple camps in that layoff. There were multiple injuries in that layoff. Like if you really look at it, you know, uh, from a topology standpoint, first of all, the injury, the opponent, just as many opponents have had to withdraw on Kane an injury that he's had to withdraw on them on paper for what that's worth. Secondly, I understand that not all of those bookings uh, end up on a topology for whatever reason. Some things will be booked. Sometimes they'll be they'll be looking to book him, and then he'll be injured, and it was prolonged, and that's why they stripped him, and, and, and that's kind of what happened in that. And but that is also part of the reason why I faded him is because he was coming off those injuries, all those failed things. Remember, they had the Mexico show for him, and he didn't show up, and he was just dejected, having to be there in the crowd. And again, this is also before AKA is adjusting their training. This is AKA when they're in their peak injury phase. So I'm putting these intangibles together and I go, there ain't no way Kane's showing up healthy to this fight. 
But there's, I guarantee you, even Kane, who at this point everybody's still doubting just as hard as they're doubting now. Um, what, 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 you know, people were doubting. Like, you, not only people were like, why are you picking for, you know, either why are you picking for Doom or why are you so confident that Kane was going to show up? Like, both were blasphemous, I remember at the time. And it was because all that pressure on him, all the promotion, even though he, you know, I believe lost the title, I want to say at this point, he obviously had the chance to get it back. You're not always going to have that door, even in a shallow division. There were so many things. He had to show up to fight, no matter what condition he was in. And, uh, and, and yeah, and then you have the altitude, which, you know, as overblown as I would argue people make it, like, that. that's the only excuse for it. Uh, it was definitely a factor. So, I mean... Uh, not trying to get too hung up on that past fight, but those were reasons why uh, I was so heavy on fading Kane. Now, am I heavy on him because I picked him? Not at all. I'm not even playing Kane, folks. Uh, I'm just you know kind of impassionated by this because that just kind of struck me. You know, just like he's doing the same stuff he always has. Like, oh, he look, you, you saw it, bro. And I did see a side-by-side, -side and I could kind of see it, although it's kind of, you know, most people are doing the side-by-sides when they're going present. They're on the scale, and even someone as pudgy as Kane, you kind of see the muscles come out when their posture's up and the scale as opposed to the crunch posture for a guy that already is carrying natural belly fat as you are when you're striking. Uh, somewhat crunched posture, I should say, depending on, on the person. But, yeah, he's not exactly uh, anyway. So, you know, and a lot of these sites and you know hey my outlet included well you know sometimes we don't choose the best pick you know for the cover photo that happens too in regards to best pick as far as you know you're looking for six packs at the beach i guess sorry folks you know but uh yeah no i get it maybe he's a little play but again it's not like he was a big guy anyways and another thing did we forget like the basic Again, not to dumb down the striker versus grappler, grappler versus striker, but also, do we forget also the basic equation that even if Francis is a 95% striker and Kane is a 72% striker, when your opponent, when Kane's opponent has to worry about this takedown, his 72% striking turns into 88. You could argue 84 to 88% striking, whereas Francis is 95% striking when he has to worry about that devastating and attritional of a threat of a wrestler like Clint Kane. You could argue that his striking volume will go down and that he'll also be around that 88 percentile range. So, In other words, that forget whatever phone numbers that I just attached to that argument, that remains to be true too. So... Again, it shouldn't change your mind if you're a Francis backer or a Kane backer. I just, I, I just, I, I've, I don't know. Is that the soup du jour? Is it because we just, we have such little sample size on Velasquez in the last three years that we have to take a these little, like, mid-sessions and pick them apart, and that's kind of just human nature? Because I could see that, too. But, yeah, I just, I didn't really get that. Now, you know, as far as the matchup goes, yeah, you know, he's definitely going to have to worry about not only the slips because... You know, Francis throws good check hooks and shovel hooks off that left side, particularly. And then that's, I think, going to be the shot uh, to watch out for here. I know we're all pointing to the spooky resemblance of Blades, his finish over uh, Blades' his last time out, in comparison to the last, uh, you know, big TV promotional spot debut, where, of course, Kane fell to Junior Dos Santos in their first meeting. Uh, and not saying that that couldn't happen either. Obviously, it can, folks, right? But like, it's I, I see that left hand being much more dangerous again. In in reference to giving credence to what I just spent fucking twenty minutes or ten minutes tearing down, uh, Kane's uh, proverbial bad slipping on the pads. 
Um, so yeah, no, that that's a legit threat though. It is for for sure. So it's not it's not crazy. Again, I'm not, not calling people out uh, completely there. Just just looking at that big picture. But there are finite techniques. Yes, yes, that do do have legs. So we'll see. We'll see if Francis Ngannou can find those. Oh, you know, because I like to find things. It is very dangerous. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, Kane, Kane kind of came back on his own terms to the last time UFC 200 was lucky enough to watch that one. And, and we just saw him doing moves that he never did before and like doing it accurately and spinning fucking hook kicks and shit or wheel kicks or whatever he threw. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving room to be surprised here. Uh, I'm going to just enjoy the show. I didn't, I didn't place anything on it, but I actually, even though the odds are pretty high, it's like plus 450 or so around that range for like Kane by decision. Uh, but that's actually what I picked, believe it or not. I picked this one to go to the distance. Now, it could definitely not whether Kane stops Francis or Francis stops Kane, but just Francis showed that even like a bad version of himself. Uh, could survive uh, three rounds of attritional uh, shit from Stipe. And granted, I don't think Stipe, I think Kane's going to be much more effective from those positions of Stipe uh, than Stipe, I should say. It's another reason why I'm on him, but, or picking Kane. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, all right, meet us all. Next fight. James Vick, minus 120, late money coming in on Vick, Felder plus 100, which is weird. I always expect, at least at this stage, Vick's lightweight career, for money to maybe not come in on him. Um, you know, that's kind of been the trend, and he's even admitted that. He's like, oh, I'm going to wait for me to go, you know, get my line to get to a certain level, and I'm going to hit it hard. I think that's what he did against Gaethje. Um, and, and and just because Vic, you know, he cuts so much weight and he looks looks tougher in the way. And that was I don't know if I said it in the video breakdown for Junkie, but that was a big part of the reason for what could be a close fight on paper because I, I see it going to decision. Uh, not that Felder doesn't have the power to stop Vic, but you know those overhand shots aren't exactly Felder's forte, and, and Vic is a good mover on a bad day, and I gotta imagine he's gonna be extra extra aware. Uh, coming off a knockout loss, and, and I think his Freudian slip during the uh, open workout talks kind of led to that, where he t said, oh, I'm going to get him by decision. I mean, of course I'm going to look for the knock, and they start trying to oversell that. And so, like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, after after watching those those workout videos, I was just like, oh, and fuck my... I don't blame James Vick. Like, you know, it, 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 he already has to deal with that weight cut alone. And, and with that in mind, I would be fucking strangling whoever his trainer was. Like, why are you using these stupid fucking mitts? I don't know, those barrel-looking mitts. They look like barrel mitts. They look so fucking stupid. Like, it looks like the thing that your, your trainer brings to the gym. He's like, I want to try something new. And he's like, oh, come on, man. And it doesn't last, like, but a day. Like, why are you... They're the most awkward fucking things to hit. There's somebody who knows how to be on both sides of that equation of the mitts, folks. That was, that was a fucking nightmare. Um, and, he, you know, he's trying to get all creative with some body shots and stuff and, and still incorporate kicks, which they're not meant for. Like, what do you do? Oh, man, like, so awkward. Like, you're, you're not meant to look awkward, and you have to be super pinpoint in those. And not that you don't want to be pinpoint for your open workout, but you don't want to necessarily give away shit or work, like, exact combos and... 
you kind of start funneling yourself down that category with your awkward choice of fucking myths because if you're free flow, you're just going to look that much worse on those things. And you should be free flowing and getting warm because it's an open workout. You should be getting a sweat on, especially if you've got some weight to cut and parlaying your media obligation with your goddamn weight cut. Not sitting there trying to figure out how to fu- how you want me to hit your awkward mitt, coach. Like, fuck, that was awkward. But, I mean, you know, the dude's got to, you know... <laughs> his name <laughs> fucking MMA Twitter just fucking <laughs> rags uh, let's just say you know he's you know he's got questionable coach selection anyway and I'm not trying to come at bad you know Vic's, Vic's good friends with the radio show you know appreciate Vic's picks and the dude you know willing to put himself out there for sure I just think he's I think he's doing himself a disservice you know and, and again maybe that, that that goes to people managing him as far as like fighting at 55 I think and that's his own thing I get it but I just think if you went to 70, we'd see so much of a better fighter. And that's, you know, part of the reason I have a hard time picking him here. But by the way, also the, the open workouts, fuck the music in the background. Like, I wish I, you could have like a choice in it. Like, at first, it's like the. It's like the TJ Dillashaw Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I don't hate the Chili Peppers, but that is the most broiest of the bro version of the Chili Peppers songs that you could ever pick, whatever that. that whatever the fucking like I feel like I'm supposed to be in one of Henry Cejudo's fucking drone videos and I'm like putting my hands on this guy like yeah baby the bitch like I, what the fuck is going on like and then like not only that like it's broy. now I've got fucking TJ Dillashaw in my head and even if he just won I still wouldn't want him in my head but the dude just lost and got knocked out and if I'm James Vick I just got knocked out like, I don't need that juju and then when the song does change, I don't know what it changes to because I'm an old fucking curmudgeonly man, but it sounds like whatever new garbage times 10, like uh, whatever hot is hot right now. It was not anything beat worthy to hit mitts to, which again, st- stupid mitt trainer there. Like I, I, I'm not, I feel like I'm, I'm not coming. I, 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 I am mad on, beh- on Vic's behalf. I'm not even coming at Vic for that. Like I felt bad for him. I'm like, this poor motherfucker is having to cut all this weight. He's got this music playing. And he's got this fucking Dumbo in front of him with the barrel mitts. Like, what the fuck, man? Uh, meanwhile, Paul Felder's killing it. He's got his daughter on FaceTime, you know, looking jacked, uh, looking ready to go. I don't know how that guy makes 55 either. I mean, Felder's not a fucking small, lightweight. Everybody was thinking he was the Walter Waite and Colby Covington was a lightweight on the military trip. And you look at pictures and... It looks like that. It's crazy. Like, Felder's a big dude. <clears throat> Which definitely won't hurt him in this matchup, but it's not necessarily why I'm picking him. Uh, Felder, he alluded, he's alluded to in, in Fight Week interviews, but the week or the week before we had him on MMA Junkie Radio, he also alluded to it. And uh, he knows that the body and the legs are there when the head isn't, when a guy's backing away. Let's just say that. And uh, even though he doesn't traditionally go to the body, he knows how to, and he does know how to go to the legs, that's for damn sure. And uh, again, skill jump since he's been at Rufus, uh, particularly in that boxing head movement, those kind of areas, ironically enough, which are the areas he's going to really need to be disciplined on is the shorter guy closing the range on Vic, who I imagine is going to be flinging his jab out. And Vic's also got underrated kicks too, which I'll be interested to see how he kicks with a a tie. A, 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 a well-trained tie, you know, a tie kicker like like Felder who can, you know, march march and counter, you know. I think Vic might might be sticking to the jab in that regard. Uh, I do see it going in decision. I was gonna stay away because it was a close fight, but again, the line kept trending, 
And then I woke up this morning to a plus 100 Paul Felder, which it might have been there even as far as yesterday. But again, from what I'm picking to uh, on the on paper technique analysis to the what I'm seeing on fight week with my own eyes, media, intangibles, trends, so forth. In my opinion, it's going toward Paul Felder. So if the line's going to go the opposite in, in, in his favor, then I'll definitely take a stab. Uh, so I just took the uh, I took the unit uh, the unit that I had on Kharitanov uh, last night, and then I made a play on Felder. That's the that was the dog pick I alluded to, and I didn't. It's not the only dog pick or the only sprinkle that I made personally, but that's 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 the uh, that's the Dan Tom play here, and we'll get to those other ones if in case you're interested. All right, next fight is Cynthia Covio minus three, four to five. Courtney Casey plus two eight five. Um, yeah, I think that line, you know, it didn't open that. We've had some inflation on Calvio, and and I could see that her being chalk. I mean, Courtney Casey, her weakness and strength is both that she can get in the scrambles, but the weakness being that she succeeds takedowns getting the scrambles, but the strength being whether it be strikes or submissions, she does damage. Unfortunately, she gets, in my opinion, effed over by a lot of judges, especially that Watterson fight. Um, but it's it's not going to suit her well definitely in this fight because, you know, like Calvillo says, she's a shark and the mat is her ocean and she swims quite, quite well. Um, her wrestling's always been kind of there and underrated. She, she ain't afraid to change a double, whether it's uh, off the counter or coming forward. And, um, you know, getting better, shifting her stance and, you know, fuck, like, like Justin Buckle said when he was on our show, uh, he was earlier this week, although I wasn't, uh, I wasn't there for that show. Uh, but he said, I, I think I saw this on the podcast. Like who said, it? I'm pretty sure it was buckled now. Cause he said it on the interview before where, you know, they fought Pauliana Botello and like, Oh shit, Dede's in the corner, you know, Andre Pettineris and, uh, the jujitsu coach is kind of, I think he's either from that lineage or definitely familiar that from that part of Brazil and goes, Dede don't leave the house for nothing. I don't know if I tweeted that when Aldo's for Aldo's last fight, but I was like, oh shit, Day-Day don't leave the house for nothing. And uh, he was right, though. He was like, if you look at it, especially with the Team Alpha Male um, history, aside from like Max Holloway to Aldo, even it's it's really rare outside of Team Alpha Male. But with that rivalry slash history, no one's really blown him out of the water, whether it was in victory or defeat, you know? Uh, you know, whether the Chad Mendez war against Jose Aldo or the second one around or... Feely beating Hawk Rendiaz, like they, you know, they, they were never blowouts. Seldom will you find that anybody blowing out Andre Pettineros as top top people, uh, male or female. And I think that's that's still a fair assessment, even with their, you know, e- even today. And, and granted, you know, Burrell's pretty. You know, we'll get to we'll get to Burrell, but Burrell also hasn't been under that lineage since he's kind of been under two. So, anyways, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm real impressed with Calvillo. Um, and again, whether she makes weight or not, you know, she's going to come out and, uh, and scrap. Um, but, uh, I'm sure that wasn't like a normal thing for her. And she explained that too, by the way, shout out to again, James Lynch. I don't think I got to every interview, but I mean, the dude fucking grinds so hard and, uh, I appreciate it. It's a great resource for me. You know, and my, I'm carrying my laptop around with me just to, cram the footage in um folks and uh when it's something that i can't really focus myself on like you know i can't be in focus mode it's a little bit too much of a stretch to multitask 
Um, that's when I have the you know, James Lynch YouTube uh, tab queued up and we'll just have interviews play so I can listen and take in information while I still go about my day. Um, got to multitask, folks, and, uh, and and thank you for the other grinders like, like James. Uh, anyways, um, Courtney Casey, I always a big fan of her, and she's she's someone, again, I, I usually support and will be on, especially as a dog, but but not here. On Calvillo, don't blame you if you're on that chalk. Good luck to you there. I gotta take a sip of coffee. Sorry, folks. I'm trying. I'm trying. Ah, best bottle waking up. It's Colombian stuff in your cup. Dan, that sounds like you put cocaine in your coffee. I did not. I just, I was just trying. I was reaching for words, and yeah. All right. This isn't even Folgers, by the way. This is thick. Uh, this is instant coffee. But that's how. I did, I finally bought a, a, a French press, by the way. I know, I'm fucking hipster, right? Because uh, I have these fucking coffee beans and, and, and a grinder and all this stuff, and I don't uh, use it. So now I have the French press. I have no excuses. But I've been living off, like, Insta coffee for the last two years. How fucking trash is that? Anyways, got to do what you got to do, man. Eh, hopefully it kicks in. That's probably why it doesn't kick in, between, you know, drinking it more than I should and the fact that it's cheap shit. All right, uh, Cron Gracie minus two eighty, Alex Caceres plus two forty. Um, yeah, I guess you know. I think to the not even to the common, even to the hardcore, would be like, what the hell? This is unproven guy. He's even done MMA. He shouldn't be the favorite. And then they're looking like, oh, he's had like four fights. Like, come on, four fights. I was in Japan. He shouldn't be the favorite. But then you gotta look at those names like. Ideo Tokoro, granted, older guy. It's the dead winner of his career, even then, when he fought him. And he's a blown-up bantamweight. Sure. Kawajiri, strong wrestler and grappler. Proven product. Later end of his career, obviously, but still. Uh, and, um... And yeah, obviously, you know, two two other gentlemen before those. But I mean, they, they aren't the worst uh, fights or experience. And it was in a ring, but in my opinion, especially in modern day MMA, that's more impressive, especially for a jiu-jitsu guy. It's harder to get him down. You don't have the cage to work your takedowns and trips and all these other things uh, that kind of take athleticism out of the equation, you know? Even here in the wrestling rooms, uh, you know, like... Uh, I think it was like Kale Sanderson talking about, forget one of the younger studs, and he goes, yeah, unless I, I yeah, he's like, I, even I got to, if I ever get paired up with him, I got to get that guy to the fucking wall. You know, even right in the wrestling rooms, they know, they understand that that takes away the athleticism out of the equation. Kron, he's good with pulling guard, man. He's got no ego. Um, and essentially for me, well, the reason why I, I, I'm picking Kron and May even play some, you know, sprinkle on some one round, round one, and sadly, even the insides and all the submissions, of course, are chalked up by now. Uh, but you can get some plus money on, on round one because he has, he's got a line to victory and he knows it. He understands it. You know, he doesn't get too flashy from that southpaw stance. And uh, Caceres is going to have a, more of an arsenal. Being, you know, Caceres will switch up, but he likes to fight from southpaw as well. But Caceres, man, I I love him and appreciate him and all, but you know, he. he he has mental lapses, and even when he doesn't have mental lapses, and I believe he's fighting more confident than ever, but it almost works against him because his confidence almost gets him in this flow state. He's like, I'm in a flow state, 
and he just doesn't realize how close these fights are. He needs to punctuate a little harder, and we see him going to splits against guys he probably shouldn't be going to splits against, even him, right? So that's definitely very worrisome. Uh, and then obviously, yes, if you just want to do the, the, the old sure dog breakdown, yes, he's got, you know, six submission losses or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just going off my top of my head. But yeah, you know, so, you know, yes, there's that. But the point is you can't flow against a specialist. A specialist, they have that title for a reason. They're specialists because they know what the fuck they want to do. And Kron's going to come at you and know what he wants. I mean, that's how he was in jiu-jitsu. He'll jump for the fucking guillotines. He'll pull a guard. Like he's, he's very confident and for good reason. He's got an excellent corner lock he uses to to, to set up the uh, armbar triangle uh, scenario. It's so beautiful. I love it. And by the way, it's a very practical move. You don't have to be an advanced or flexible jiu-jitsu player, folks. Um, if you're in guard, you look at Kron Gracie. Fuck, I want to say it's like his second fight. I'll pull it up here. But he's in, he's on bottom and and has full guard. And essentially, you know, you control, you got to control your opponent's posture. Whether you have a collar tie in the back of their head, keep him kind of down, uh, down into you. But uh, sorry. Yeah, I want to say it's Ursin Yamamoto. Um, and it, or it could even be Hyunsu Kim, uh, even though that was an armbar finish, but he you know, sets it up for, you know, with a triangle threat often. And uh, anyways, you get their posture broken into you, and most people get greedy, and they try to, you know, like the whole Anderson Versil, uh, Chael typical wrist feed triangle where you push the wrist down into your slash their crotch, and you, 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 you hop your leg over into the triangle catch position, Right where you catch their head and arm with your legs, and then you get you have to hit your adjustments from there, of course, because that's how triangle chokes are finished. It's not in the catch. Anybody can catch. It's in the adjustments. But, uh, of course, not just anybody can catch. It's hard to get that clean of a catch. But the great thing about the corner lock, if you go and watch that fight uh, with uh, Kron, is that you don't need a lot of flexibility or a big catch. All he's trying to do, he's not even trying to pin your wrist. He just needs to get one leg high enough to get over one of your shoulders. And when you do that, it naturally props that same arm that that you're going over the shoulder. That same arm gets put in an armbar precarious position for the person. And you're just a couple adjustments away from the armbar. And they know that, and it takes them by surprise because, again, the corner lock, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to defend because you're not really asking for much ground, but you're gaining a lot. And it puts it in an armbar position. And the beautiful thing about that is now you should still probably have one, at least one kind of head control, Irish collar to the head after you kind of just got your catch. You put your leg, one leg over the shoulder, and now you've kind of got the propped armbar angle. Now somebody thinks, oh, they're like, oh, I see what this motherfucker's going to do. He set me up for an armbar. So the guy, at least who thinks he's smart, what is he going to do? He's going to slide that arm out for the armbar. But when he slides that arm out, you are just but a stone's throw away to put your leg that's already on the shoulder over the shoulder for a triangle because now his arm's not in the way to block you because he moved his arm for you. You threaten that arm bar and you put him in a pick your poison scenario. And he didn't even, most guys won't even know the other poison is there. They're just like, oh, arm bar, I'm gonna get out of here. And now, oh, fuck, I'm in a triangle. And against a guy like Kron, holy shit. Um, so, uh, unless Alex Caceres picked up insane discipline and uh, one shot knockout power, uh, I'm gonna take a. The son of Hickson, the, the, the best grace, one of my favorite, you know, my Mount Rushmore is a martial artist. Fucking Hickson Gracie, um, uh, fucking, god damn it, uh, 
wow, how am I, how am I blocking the guy's name? Uh, Maeda, uh, who taught the Gracies, uh, Mitsuya Maeda, sorry, Jesus Christ, also uh, responsible for bringing judo to Cuba, which has its own version of judo. Uh, but yeah, the guys are, you know, amazing. Anyways, this isn't about that podcast, but yeah, just Grand Gracie here. Aix and lineage, baby. All right. Um, next fight. Let's go. Ah, Vincente Luque, minus 460. Brian Barberina, plus 365. Biggest spread, biggest favorite. And I can see why, which it pains me to see. But can I just say, I hate this fucking fight. And I said this on Twitter, and I, I even said it on probably Junkie Radio. I hate this fight. And it doesn't do anything for either guy. Like... Barbarina's already a guy who you've tried to fucking throw into the wolves with, you know, you thought you were given pages set up, and of course, you know, people like myself were like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm gonna make money off that. And thankfully, so did Brian Barbarina. And then they give him Worley Alvarez in fucking Brazil. But even people like myself were on that, and Brian Barbarina proved those MFers wrong. And, you know, he hasn't had easy easy stretch since, you know, and he, he fights guys like Leon Edwards, drops him, almost, almost beats him. Deceptively tough Leon Edwards, who's you know the only guy to beat the guy opposite from him. So, you know, durable southpaw. He's got the dad bod. You know, just shows up, doesn't say no. Like, how do you not love this guy taking the hard matchups? And then they do. They give him a solid. Granted, you know he's going into someone else's home territory, but it was Jake Ellenberger in the clear, clear, clear winter of his career. Even even Jake knew that obviously, because he retired right after that fight. Um, so it was kind of cool, though, because you were like, okay, maybe they're giving Brian, Brian Barberina a solid. They're giving him a name guy to kind of give him the rub. And I think even Barberina might even got a bonus, well-deserved, moves out to Nashville, investing in a farm, and family guys, got a family to feed. And he's dude tried to stay active. I think he tried to get a, a fight at the end of the year, too. But again, the booking was just so insane with cards getting moved around, literally, figuratively. Uh, you know, that December and January stretch, uh, he ended up, you know, kind of uh, not fighting for a minute. And then when he does get a fight, he gets a, probably one of the worst stylistic matchups for him, in my opinion. One of the best guys in the division, in many, and, you know, mine, many people's opinion. Uh, and a fight that he has probability he's probably not going to win here. Even people that are hardcore Barbarina supporters like myself aren't on him here. Uh, so that sucks. Um, and then for Luke, it sucks because he's on this crazy streak and deserves much, much better. But like a lot of these Brazilian guys, it's like Zaleski dos Santos, like they don't get the road. They end up on the prelims. They barely end up on the main card if they're lucky. Thankfully, Luke is at least on the main card here. Right? 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 Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, um, but, and as much as I love Barbarina, fucking beating Barbarina is not going to do shit for him. It's not gonna do shit. And Barbarina's deceptively tough. Like, I'm picking Luque here. He's a deserved favorite, but Barbarina has a better chance than the line indicates. Maybe not by a ton, but I would argue that he does have a better chance than the line indicates. Because uh, he's a durable cat, and even though, yeah, and we have seen uh, Luque Gas before, who, 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 you know, he's done it for the last camp or, or two, even maybe as well. But so it's not that big of a deal, and he seems like a disciplined guy, so it's definitely not that big of a deal. But yeah, he you know, did. He's trading at home in Brazil for this camp, so we'll see how he shows up. And uh, Barbarina, no matter how he shows up, he shows up to fight. Um, 
Ned just taking shots for middleweights. You know, he's fought at middleweight, gotten regional titles there. He's not, so the size isn't so much of an issue, but he may even be the bigger guy. Who knows? Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going Luke here. Uh, just the, just the hand speed difference, and the foot speed, the angles uh, that he creates, and that counter check. I mean, just a lot of things that I think is going to be trouble unless. Southpaws proved to be Luke's kryptonite. Again, I think it was more of a gas tank issue, but uh, you know, and Edwards being yes a skilled striker, but we'll see. Maybe the, the, the trend starts to unfold there with Southpaws. Uh, yeah, but that's it. The pick is is Luke. All right, next one on the main card: Miles Jury minus one forty-five, Andre Feely plus one twenty-five. You could really make an argument either way for the guys. Um, you know, Feely's a guy who I think has been undervalued, and, and even though he's been on the wrong end, some split decisions, especially his last one, um, and all respect to Michael Johnson, but um, I think he's at least, I think at the very least you could argue that he's uh, he's proven that he's undervalued for whatever that's worth, whether you've been on him or not, whether you like him or not, I feel like that 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 is, that is true. Uh, so maybe it was that reason, maybe it was the... Uh, the broiness of Miles Jury, <laughs> Jesus, bro. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but when it came to staff picks, I submitted for and like I was, we can change them if we if we don't you know later in the week if we get to it in time. But I didn't end up changing, and I stuck with uh, Feely. But I always get nervous of that when I have to submit a pick, and I'm like, oh. I always feel like I'm gonna like. Persuade myself if I if I submit something, but oh, even though I don't technically have to stick to it, but I bet I did stick to this one. Um, I'm not gonna suggest you run out and play it. Uh, I threw a little love on there just because it was a dog and a dog a dog that I picked in what should be a competitive fight. Um, I just feel like Feely is also very underrated in his wrestling, and it's good enough of a grappler where I think it's gonna take that edge away from Jury. Now, if Jury's smart. I could see him maybe hitting well-time takedowns to win rounds, but as far as any other dynamic of his grappling, which is very strong, you know, say what you will, Jerry Jiu-Jitsu is very... He's got a strong ground game. I don't think it's going to be strong enough to influence his fight uh, unless he's going for point-scoring takedowns, which Feely is not opposed to doing too, um, by the way. So, uh, and he's got a... His strongest point is his, is his power... Uh, is his power, Feely's power double. He's got a... He'll, he'll, he'll drive on guys. Um, and striking, I, you know, he's only gotten better. I think Feely, he looks kind of skinny and lanky, and, and you maybe think he doesn't have power, but he's, he's got some pop, and he knows how to slang his shins. And, he, you know, you really look at the last two years or so, he's really filled out, really worked on his athleticism, uh, really focusing in harder on camps. And it can sound cliche, or it was always my best camp, but Feely is a, is a, is a genuine dude. Uh, for better or or, or, or worse, because he'll be like giving you the best interview. And he's like, oh, I gotta go get getting tattooed right now. And you're like, oh, the interview's over. All right then, you know. But he, the good part about that is you get you get a, a genuine guy, and he even sounds even higher than normal and more motivated than normal coming into this fight. Probably because of that bad taste in his mouth left from the last one. So he's itching to get back in there. A lot of guys like that, Felder. A lot of these guys itching to get back in, right? Coming off split decision losses, just wanting to get a get in there, and uh, yeah, uh, he throws more volume. Um, if he can avoid getting countered early, 
by something big, then I, I could see him uh, edging out some rounds here with some volume. So I went with Andre Feely. But, you know, again, the footwork and counters of jewelry and, and uh, his looming ground game you know, can't be underestimated. That's why I'm not confident in it. All right, speaking of not confident, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jimmy Rivera, minus 135. Alzheimer Sterling, plus 115. The line's actually starting to widen out toward Rivera, and I could see why. I think maybe some people... Came came you know came to the senses and just going to the safe pick because I think Rivera whether you're on Sterling or not is a safe pick. I came in this one leaning Sterling, but I'm the worst at picking Sterling fights. I think he's one of my worst fighters. I'm trying to think now because, like, I really like Aljamain Sterling, but I feel like I I, I I pick against him half the time, and that's fine. That, uh, that if anything that shows that I'm, I'm staying true to my job and not letting biases get in my way and just picking fights how I feel. But then I'll be like, ah, oh, man, I knew I should have picked him because I was rooting for him. I just picked against him because I thought this would be a bad stylistic matchup. So in the next matchup, I feel like I find myself going, all right, I'm, def I'm on Sterling here. Not not just because of that, but then I'll be like, you know, maybe I just, you know because of my analysis. But then I'll, I'll second guess the analysis. But wait a minute, are you just uh, confirmation biasing it because you wanna you want you want to pick Aljo here? And then the times where I have pulled the trigger for confident or not, or whether I feel like I was compromised or not, or self-sabotaged or not, those are the times he loses. So I'm all fucked in my head when it comes to picking Aljamain Sterling fights. Uh, ultimately, though, even though his, his, um, his stand-up has improved, um, Rivera does pretty does pretty well countering off kicks and, and, and longer guys and, and getting, you know, keeping his hooks tight and on the inside. And Aljo, for all his improvements, I'm not sure how much power, ferocity, and sting he's going to have in his, his kicks. Definitely, uh, he'll, he'll have some power, but his punches more so, enough to get the respect of Rivera or scare him off. And I think Rivera's going to do steady volume. And at the end of the day, Rivera's, you know, 100% or whatever it is, takedown defense, a stout stature. And, uh, I think he's going to be able to defend takedowns. But if if Aljo can create some type of a scramble and just to get him to sprawl, there could be a scenario where he gets his back because even though he has good takedown defense, Rivera does tend to turtle and tripod, which of course gives your back against the human backpack. That's no good. You know, I don't know if Aljo will submit him, but if Aljo gets it back, you can count that he's going to bank that round because he's going to ride it. Um, so it's close. I may, I, I, you know, if that line goes up any higher, I may even sprinkle on Aljo because I'm avoiding the fight. Picking Rivera, but I'm, I'm avoiding the fight. Uh, all right. Uh, Manny Bermuda is minus 190. Benito Lopez plus 165. I think Manny Bermuda's might have even been higher, but the... Number came down to earth, and rightfully so. We haven't seen a lot of Manny Bermudez sample size. He gets it done early. Um, we haven't seen him in a minute, and we haven't seen Benito Lopez e even longer. Um, and Benito Lopez, they're both young, but uh, Benito Lopez seems younger probably because Manny Bermudez just seems more mature. He's the East Coast guys, right? Like They, they look older, and they, and they seem more, I think because they age out there. I don't know, if, is it the stress? Is it the stress and the weather, East Coast guys, huh? You guys look like you're fucking, like, in your 30s when, like, you were 19, a lot of you. <laughs> but, no, I like Manny Bermudez. I like his temper. He's real mature. Cat seems pretty dialed in. Benito Lopez, real eager to get out there and just kind of, you know, trying to, you know, sharing his, over-sharing some things, if you ask me. Uh, not in TMI sense, but as far as, like, even strategically, is like, watching his, his, um, his interview with, uh, with, with Lynch, I think it was, but yeah, it was a. Uh, 
you know, he's had some some injury bad luck, but he also has been training, you know, at CSA as well as uh, Team Alpha Male. So um, those guys tend to get guys striking games uh, looking better from fight to fight. So uh, I'm expecting a better Benito Lopez, which makes me nervous about this fight. But goddamn, uh, I want Manny Ramirez. Um, Depending if there's any plus money by sub props, and I don't know if there is, but I, I'd take it. Because I think he's going to do it here. Benito Lopez is wild, and Bermudez finds stuff in that in that craziness, man. I mean, speaking of triangles, God, it was so beautiful the way he set up his triangle um, on Davy Grant. Well, after he got, I forget how he set it up, how he set up the catch, but after he got the catch, yeah, that's right. He got it in a weird position, and he had to give up a mount to kind of connect his legs, which you often do if you go for a mounted triangle. You do have, uh, ideally, you know, you don't want to. It is it's an awesome feeling, by the way, when, when you catch it. Um, it you just got to be pretty flexible and catch it in the right spot. And, yeah, you can do it from out and post on one hand, pull their head in, curl uh, uh, curl and crunch, and finish your triangle um, for a mount. Or, or, but a lot of times you kind of got to give up that mount position and roll to your back. So Manny does that to kind of complete the catch, and the, which is the crossing of the legs, if you will, around the one, head, uh, one arm and, and the head. Um, but he's not completely there, and he definitely doesn't have his angle. And not only is Davy Grant, I think, coming up to topside now, but he could possibly uh, start walking his way, maybe even not out, but to safety. Again, potential roads out, potential momentum that Davy Grant, if he knows what he's, what he's looking for, he could find his way out. But a good triangle artist knows the escape routes, uh, which is why they're probably good triangle artists uh, because you have to close off set escape routes in triangle. You know, they go to stack you. That's when you got to hook the leg, right? Uh, and then you, you know, grab back of the head, hit your adjustment. Um, he, and what Manny does is he just goes like old school, like uh, old school arm lock, right? Um, he's got his triangle catch and that arm that Davy Grant is extending with uh, that's caught on the inside. He puts his head into it and like kind of catches it with his head and shoulder like he's holding the phone. Like he's like like Davy Grant's hand is the phone almost, and he's putting his head, his ear, and his shoulder to kind of pinch it, and then he puts his you know right arm over around it, kind of almost looking like an old school like gee gee arm lock. But he uses he reaches over just to get that arm, uh, like it's almost like a it's essentially an arm bar, and he uses that arm bar leverage the the, the leverage of the feeling that your arm is going to break and extend because again. One part of the arm obviously attached to Davy Grant. The other end of his limit expenditure is where it ends. His hand is attached to uh, Manny Bermudez's head and shoulder. So now you have a tension point. He created the tension point. All he has to do is push over on that elbow. Now he's got the tension point, which feels like an arm bar. And that pushes uh, Davy Grant. Remember my Davy Grant voice? He's Davy Grant. So everybody liked that creepy Davy Grant voice. And Davy Grant doesn't even sound like that, but he does now. Um, and yeah, Manny Bermudez finishes the triangle like fucking the specialist Paul Sass. Does he think he's fucking Paul Sass? Fucking Paul Sass. That... Um, yeah, remember Paul Sass? Shouts to Paul Sass. Uh, that's Mexican Paul Sass there. Fucking Manny Bermudez That's what I got. But beautiful stuff. All right, Andrea, KGB Lee, minus 165 versus Ashley Evans-Smith, plus 145. Man, I got to keep it professional. God damn, especially, you know, assuming I don't shoot my own career in its own foot. Uh, you know, I really got to be careful how I keep talking, keep it professional. But, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, 
Attractive ladies are attractive ladies, and uh, they're attractive in different sense. I love me some Ashley Evan Smith, though. Uh, I'm not going to go for the, the low-hanging fruit. Hopefully, uh, Andrea Lee's having a good time, by the way. I saw her uh, at some event with uh, Phil Baroni, like a couple weeks after Baroni's uh, infamous uh, Twitter pick. <laughs> yeah! Uh, so, hopefully, Andrea Lee's doing good, you know. Didn't sound like she was with uh, the greatest guy to put the the, the slightest Nazi Nazi Nazi. Uh, but uh, Ashley Evan Smith, man, she she's an awesome chick. Uh, we, we 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 I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but um, but yeah, man. Um, we interviewed her, and I just, just cool just talking about music and stuff. Like uh, I actually I scored some points because I knew what her walkout was, Bikini Kill, and she, she's like, you "Fucking, knew, how do you know that?" And I'm like, "Damn, Tom knows his music." And uh, I can uh, I could totally tell. Listen, we listen to a lot of the same stuff. So I I appreciate a girl that uh, the punk rock type man got a soft spot for those tattoo girls like that man. She got a picture on her Instagram that says "Cuddle in Zombie Movies," and I was like, you you had me there, you had me there. But we're keeping this professional, guys. And to prove it, I actually picked against Ashley Evans Smith. I know, I know. She's a live dog though, so I, this is a dog or pass kind of a fight. But uh, focusing on the skills, because these ladies are martial artists, though, hey, you know, uh, just just giving credit where credit's due. Nothing wrong with saying a beautiful lady is a beautiful lady and, 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 and whatnot, but does not get in the way of analysis. I'm picking against Ashley Evans Smith here. Um, and, you know, she's really underrated. She's really got, uh, you know, one of the few kind of wrestle boxing females, which on paper should be able to take her a long way. She's very athletic for her contemporaries, amongst her contemporaries, even at one. 135 especially at 125 um she could she could she could win a lot of fights but you know she hasn't had the most consistent time to shine her last fight i was at in brooklyn and granted i believe she's had a, a, a fight canceled in between she was supposed to fight but you know it's hard to judge she, she definitely could have made skill improvements but it's not so much the skill it's more the mental lapses i think that maybe have costed her submissions or even fights, and, you know, let's say an interview, I also just say, I, I, I wasn't, those worries, if you're, you're, you're looking at the, the mental side of things, weren't put to, you know, put to, uh, put to ease, you know, I think she was answering one question, um, where it was like, uh, oh yeah, talking about, yeah, that's right, she was booked against Anthony Shevchenko, that's right, she had to pull out, um, and then she was just like, yeah. And then when I picked back up, I was just like, oh, my God. I actually can do good against Southpaws. Which kind of was just like, you know, you don't want to hear a fighter is surprised that they can do good against a Southpaw. Um, which is one thing. And I know, yes, you, fighters should have a harder time against Southpaws. I get that totally, obviously. Uh, and then also just the fact that, like, she's, saying, it's, she's also saying that, like, wow, I'm surprised that what I drilled actually stuck. It's kind of like... You're still young. There's, there's still room for for still skill growth, so you should be growing for sure. But then at the same time, I'm like, I think she's been doing it enough. For I'm like, should that be a surprise? I don't know. And again, nothing you can hold the fire over. It's just an interview. I mean, God, you talk enough, you just say dumb stuff. Look at me, standing case in point. This podcast or any other I'm on. So believe me, I'm not trying to hold her to the fire to it. But if we're looking at split hairs and, and kind of mental statuses, I, I don't know if she had that has that edge, you know? Because uh, maybe on paper you could say she does. Over Andrea Lee, who, uh, you know, is training gladiator fitness for the most part, split her last camp, did most of this one. But in between that, been jumping around, and good for her, jumping around at good places. 
but all around the United States looked like she'd been doing some traveling, and who knows what kind of jumping around is going on in her personal life. I didn't mean that as a as anything gross. Get your head out of the gutter. I'm just talking about, you know, like even just where she's, you know, staying or your whole life gets turned around. Especially, you know, you're married to somebody, especially if it's a small town. You guys go to the same stores. Like, it's it's a process, man. Uh, so you know, yeah, this is a this is a. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just got a text. I won't, won't say from who, but it ironically. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. Anyways, um, no, yeah, it, it, I'm just gonna stay away from this fight uh, for that reason, to be honest. So, um, you know, I like both girls. I, I really want to see them both progress well on their journey. Uh, he godless. Uh, but uh, I'll take I'll take the more well-rounded uh, Andrea KGB Lee here. She, the judo and jiu-jitsu is underrated. Um, she kind of has lapses too, but more as a her like just like, brief positional lapses, which I get can lead to a submission as well. But I don't think they're like quite as costly in fight lapses as maybe you know Evan Smith made in the past. So it's um, I think she's Andrea Lee. I guess I should say she thrives more often than not, even in the scarier scrambles and. Uh, on the feet, should be able to hold her own against what I feel is underrated stand-up from Evan Smith. Um, so, uh, Andrea Lee for me. All right, next fight, Scott Holton minus 175, Nick Lentz plus 155. Um, yeah, I'm on Holtzman here, uh, but this one kind of you can avoid, at least as far as my analysis goes. Not if you have a take, take a shot. But uh, you all know that I'm not very, especially in this game, especially now. Like, just like you know, you gotta be 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 careful and and not be careful because I'm all about being honest. And but being honest can get you in trouble. Certain kind of honest, so you gotta make sure you're professional. I guess is the word. And uh, try to stay professional. But those who've been listening to the podcast know. Let's just say I'm not the biggest Nick Luntz fan. Uh, so uh, I just so happen to be on the favorite, which is Scott Holtzman. I just so happen to agree with the odds makers in public on this one. Let's just say. Uh, what even if I do or don't, Nick Lentz is definitely a live dog. You got to give credit where credit's due. The guy's improved his stand up. Um, you know, granted he's hitting kicks on the, the the ghost of Gray Maynard, which he apparently has no problem still making fun of, concussing a guy who probably shouldn't be fighting. But hey, if that's what you got to do to make yourself feel better, that's Nick Lentz. Um, and uh, and and yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, Scott Holtzman does his Tyson slips and maybe could run into a head kick himself, but uh, I still think he's the better striker. And uh, whether Holtzman gets rocked, he recovers fast and keeps coming forward. And not that that'll discourage or break a guy like Nick, Nick Lentz, but it won't give Nick Lentz the ground or confidence that he needs to get going. Uh, if Nick Lentz is Nick Lentz will grind, but if you get him in a negative grind. He'll grind in the negative all night. You know, we've seen that too. Was that the was it Castillo or fight? Or I forget what it was, but uh, I forget it was the... Uh, we really just look like a fucking pudge troll out there. I'm coming from a guy who's pudgy right now myself. But again, I'm just... You're kind of getting my, my feelings kind of seeping through. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stay provincial. It was uh, the Dos Anjos uh, Cerrone 2 fight back in 2015. But yeah, like you see him. He'll, he'll, if, you, if you can get him behind the eight ball. But again, you know... He has improved his, you know, he's looking better coming into these fights physically. He he has figured things out. And when he talks about his kid and being a dad, I want to root for him. But then he's just kind of needlessly a douchebag. Like, 
His MAGA routine is way more annoying than Colby's. One, maybe because I know Colby's is, is, is actually fake. For people that, that know him, it's actually not real. <laughs> but for two, it, you know, Nick's is just, it's just mean, like, and real. Like, he, he brings it up out of nowhere. It's not even like it's a part of his gimmick. It's just like, hey, man, you got to fight. You should be happy. Let's shout out your team. Let's shout out the... Maybe, God forbid, show respect to your opponent for once. Nick, no. I'm going to use it to, you know, promote some MAGA shit. Cool. Cool. Just one of those guys, and he's got to, like, can't answer things honestly. He has to fucking let you know where he stands. It's like, I'm doing good because I work hard, you know? I support myself. I make my own way. Like, we get it. Your politics lean right. Answer the damn question. Talk about the fight. Fuck. Sorry. All right. Anyways. Pick a Scott Holtzman. <laughs> All right. Next fight. Also on the... A legitimate void list is because who the fuck knows, right? And uh, unless you just want to play the over, which I may will take in a chalk. Might you know me? I always put together some fucking bullshit chalk parlay for fun uh, to cover whatever I end up like spending for plays. I'll just look to hedge that out in some type of a chalk way. If it's if the angle's there, if not, I don't. But you gotta gotta keep things interesting, folks. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Jessica Penny minus one forty, Jody Esquibel plus one twenty, Esquibel. Uh, more of a steady sample size as of late. Penny's been off with the whole USADA thing, just kind of retarded or whatever. I don't know the details. I didn't go back to refresh. Just watched uh, like her last two fights, and then also from what I remember from uh, in Zvita. And uh, yeah, she's just had a tough run of it, you know. Um, I I think uh, a lot of it was you know, facing bulldozers like Andrage on her ascension and facing her after like a nose surgery and then taking a shot in the nose. I think she had a, a surgery there. But you all, you, you see that and the fighter comes back and they get hit in the nose. They kind of almost crunch extra of that first shot back. Like she, I think she had a lot of shit going on. So I'm expecting a better Jessica Penny. I'm hoping for her. I'm a big fan of hers. Big fan. Uh, no, Jesus, Dan, why are you creepy? I'm not being creepy. I just said I'm a big fan. I'm picking her in this fight. That's what I'm trying to say. Jesus, Dan. Wow, really digging yourself. Well, you need a, you need any extra shovels, Dan, to fucking dig yourself a hole over there? I'm sorry, folks. Uh, it's not late night, Dan, but it's still underslept, Dan. So, you know, well, what's one of the best, uh, best, best interrogation methods to get someone to tell you the truth? Keep them up for multiple nights. The, the truth will come out. Um, but, yeah, no, root for her here, but even if... He had a hard side, or you know, I don't know how you could play this fight. I mean, if you're on the dog, I guess then it's fine. Good luck, because uh, it'll probably be a boring decision. Um, but I'll go with the steady jabbing forward pressure of uh, Penne, and if she can get it to the ground, obviously she'll have the advantage if it can get there. All right, um, Luke Sanders minus one eighty five, Hen and Brow plus one sixty. Jesus. Two guys at different points in the career, but two guys who fucking love to give away fights they should be winning, or are winning in some cases. Which makes this fight, like, almost crazy that I want to avoid. But that being said, as shot as possibly Henan Burrell is, I still don't know how you make Luke Sanders not that much of a favorite, but 185 is starting to get high for me to trust a guy like Luke Sanders. Like, I could see... Him being the favorite, I don't disagree that he is the uh, deserved favorite, but should be slight, maybe, if that. Um, 
Brennan Burrell just seems like if you get him unconfident, you know, and he just gets that shell shock look on his face, like he's back in the Dillashaw fight, and he just turns into a shell of himself. But he will produce decent offense and win around if you let him. Uh, although he has been looking lesser and or less and less convincing as these last couple of fights have went on, right? Even his staunch, most staunch defenders cannot deny that. And I've been on him just because I'm like, I get that he's fucking a shell of himself, but he still should win this fight. What the fuck? Dog money? What the fuck? And maybe I'm falling victim here again, and this is going to be the last time, folks. The last time. I'm taking him and Brow here. I even sprinkled as a degenerate just because I can't trust Luke Sanders. Even if he's winning this fight. I, was, I mean, he, he against the gassed and old uh, Patrick Williams, his lone win in his last four fights, the dude fucking almost gave that one away. I mean, he's steamrolling him in the first round. And then you, you could fast forward to the third. You're just like, it's an even fight. Luke Sanders is all bloody. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, but, uh, you know, I don't trust him either as the fight goes on. Um, could Luke Sanders, that said, get a knockout? He could, and maybe maybe that would be good for him. Maybe that will, will be the final nail on Hennon's coffin. I'd be like, dude, move on to something else if you can, man. Like, this is not good. Whatever happened to you, it's fucking happened for sure. You got to accept this. That said, I'm not accepting it yet. Uh, the pick here is Hennon Burrell. Um, I think he he should be able to stop the wrestling of uh, any, any shots that Luke Sanders wants to make and... Uh, We'll see how striking with Luke Sanders goes at the stage of Brow's career, but yeah. Training at American Chuck Cheem. Hopefully uh, he's got some youthful sauce or something, man. I don't know. We'll see. All right, last fight. Uh, Alexandra Albu, minus 125, versus Emily Whitmere, plus 105. I can tell you this is uh, my buddy Brian. He's been on this podcast. This is his favorite fight. He's a he's fan of the... Uh, he's fan of the... Uh, no, he. How do I say it? He likes Albu. I'm sure he likes both. I'm sure he likes Emily too. But I'm I, I, I know Emily, and uh, so I'm I'm biased. Don't take my advice. I'm not that's why I'm barely going to provide analysis of this, or nor even any of the the the, the uh, underhanded undertoned comments because uh, I'm friends with Emily and. I have love and support for her, and uh, this is one of those picks where I, I do my analysis does eat it, guys. I'm I'm biased. I got Emily Whitmer here. I don't care who she's against. So never listen to me in an Emily Whitmer fight. Uh, but uh, yeah, Brian likes himself some uh, some Ale Alexandra Albu. Because uh, dude, <laughs> on her Instagram checking out her butt, like he's. Brian's a butt man. He's an unabashed butt man, and he's uh, Albu's probably Albu's biggest fan. I'll just say that. I'm throwing Brian under the bus here, but uh, I, 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 he's been bad about watching like prelims and stuff and and whatnot. He's kind of one of these hardcores, I think, who's been kind of like steadily like, eh, I can miss some fights. There's fucking too many of them, right? And I don't blame him, but I can guarantee he's gonna be like, oh, watching prelims. And I was like, oh, first fight of the night. When was the last time you watched first fight of the night? I'm gonna call him out. He's gonna be he's gonna be on that one. But all right, that's my, yeah, those are my picks, guys. I'm gonna recap them here. I got Cain uh, Velasquez over Francis Ngannou, Paul Felder over James Vick. I also put a unit on Felder at plus 100. Cynthia Calvillo over Courtney Casey. Don't hate anybody on the chalk there. Don't hate anybody even on the chalk for Cron Gracie, who I have over Alex Caceres. 
Vincente Luque at two chalk for me. I'm staying away, but I'm wishing the best to Brian Barbarina, but I got Vincente Luque over Brian Barbarina. Picking the dog and Miles Jury to or an Andre Feely to upset Miles Jury in what should be a close fight. Uh technically siding with Rivera, but uh my heart, maybe a couple ducats may be on Sterling, depending on where that number goes. But the pick is Rivera. Uh Manny Bermudez is the pick by submission, may even sprinkle on some props there. Uh taking Andrea Lee, but my heart is with both ladies, especially with Ashley Evan Smith. I would not be mine to see her get the upset there. She's a live dog. That's a dogger pass, folks. Uh, and, of course, taking Scott Holtzman over Nick Lentz. Um, may even just play Holtzman just because. <laughs> uh, taking Jessica Penne over Jody Escabel. Taking Hannon Burrell for the upset over Luke Sanders. And also taking Emily Whitmire for the upset, slight upset, over Alexandra Albu. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for hitting those Amazon on it. Uh, banners at mixedmartialanalyst.com where you can find smartphone friendly versions of the podcast and please hit up iTunes I'll, I'll read off both both people that have been purchasing off the list and the latest iTunes reviews any new ones come in those ratings and reviews five stars especially very helpful this show thank you guys apologies again for the late podcast but I'm getting it out to you over 24 hours before uh, the fight starts. So hopefully you're really able to listen to it. Uh, we'll be back with some more breakdown episodes. Hopefully a top five soon. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, pitch me anything you want as far as topic ideas or any questions you want answered on that show. And until next time, always protect your